Let's read together Romans 16, and then focus on the second doxology of the book of Romans, or the second major doxology, the last three verses, 25, 26, and 27. Romans 16, page 1129, 1,129. Paul is getting ready to send this letter written by his secretary, Tertius, and going to send it through Phoebe, servant of the church at Sancreae. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who has, is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus, Greet my kinsman Herodion. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister in Olympus. And all the saints who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they, deserve, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And now the doxology. To him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. 
Amen. This is God's word. May he bless it, brothers and sisters, to our hearts and lives and make us adore him for his gospel. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these last three verses are a doxology, and a doxology literally means a word of praise, a word of praise to God. It's the second major doxology in Romans. You'll remember the first one, typically called the Romans doxology in chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And now just like the first doxology, the second one also makes the point that all of man's salvation and the salvation of the whole world comes not from human power and wisdom and goodness and effort. There's no boasting left for man. It all comes from God. To God alone be the glory. And one of the most disturbing things to do is to listen to guys like Klaus Schwab and Harari from the World Economic Forum. To hear their arrogance and their total faith in themselves and global elitists to save the world. They really believe they have all the power and wisdom to save you and to create a new heavens and a new earth. All you need to do is surrender your lives to their leading and government and direction. And all will be well and you'll have rest and peace. This godless vision for salvation, for utopia, because it's invented by man, can only lead to misery. No, it's to God be the glory. This is God's work. The good news comes from God. It comes to you through God and it goes back to God. To him be the glory forever. It's his wisdom, the only wise God. There's no other way for anybody to be saved but God's way through his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's power. Anything else is a lie, will fail because it depends on the efforts, the wisdom of sinful man. Glory to the only wise God Glory to God, first, for his strength in this doxology. Second, for his gospel. And thirdly, for his mission. Glory to God for his strength. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. To him who is able to strengthen you. Actually, you could translate it this way. To him who is powerful to make you strong. 
The phrase really says two things about our God. One, he is powerful. He is able. He's strong. The second thing is he's able to make you strong by his strength. And the word is strengthen you. To him who's able to strengthen you means really to make you stand firm, to establish you, to make you stable and steady, to set your feet firmly in the concrete of the gospel so you don't move. That's what it means. It's the Greek word sterizo, from which we get our word steroid. Him who is able to make you steady, firm, so you don't move from the hope of the gospel. Because that's what we need. On the best day, we're weak and prone to fall before the lie, before temptation, before trouble, crisis. But to God belongs the power to strengthen you. This reminds us of two other, to him who is able doxologies, right? Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. The Jew doxology. And remember the Ephesians 3 doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Your God, the God of the Bible, the one true God, is able to strengthen you, has the power to empower you. And in his covenant, he commits himself to you, to work for you, to work in you, to work relentlessly, to work without ever giving up so that you don't fail and you don't fall and you don't forsake and abandon the Christian faith. These are times when the church is being assaulted perhaps like never before by secularism. By gay theology. And so many are departing from the faith Because we're not turning to the God who can give us strength. But let's run to him. And then we won't be destroyed. And we won't be hooked by the false claims of secularism. Or, claim, or cave to the threats of persecution. Or give up because everything is so dark. But we'll be able to resist every temptation, weather every storm until we reach the end of glory to him who is able to strengthen you. And this is a call again to each one of us to commit yourself to the good God and his good gospel because that's the safe place for your life. Every other thing out there can only take you down. Paul says to the Thessalonians, for example, Please pray for us. We face evil and wicked men. He felt the need 
for the able God to strengthen him. Please pray for us. And then he confesses his faith in God's strength. But the Lord is faithful and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3. And when Paul faced persecution all alone, he expressed his hope to Timothy in the form of doxology in 2 Timothy 4. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to strengthen you. Yes, believers are always weak in themselves and unable to stand the test. But every believer must also be confident that God not only is able to strengthen you, but he will hold you and keep you safe and never let go of you. That's what he does. Sometimes we're weak in faith. Sometimes we're weak in hope. We forget the glory that awaits us. We get despondent because of the troubles that face us. Sometimes we're weak in love. We allow the worries and trials of life to make us angry and bitter and unkind. Sometimes we're weak in faith, sometimes in hope, sometimes in love, sometimes we're weak in all three. Sometimes we're weak in fellowship with the saints. Paul has just talked about the need to greet one another to stay tied and stay tuned and to keep loving one another's brothers. Sometimes we're weak in witness. Like Paul's just been urging the church at Rome to partner with him in the spread of the gospel and, and not become too narrow and provincial and just focused on us. But in every weakness, we have a strong God. We have a strong God who is more than sufficient for us. To him who is able to strengthen you through the gospel. The powerful God empowers you, brothers and sisters. The faithful God makes you faithful, brothers and sisters. The strong God gives you strength, brothers and sisters. This is the God of the Bible, the God of the gospel, the only wise God. Unlike every other God out there, they're all false gods. Unlike every other God out there, this God is able to make you strong because he's the living God. He's worthy of your trust. And when you cry out to him for help, When you lean upon him with the whole weight of your life and you cast all your burdens and cares and weaknesses on this strong God and say, I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. You will discover him to be more than enough for you. Every saint always has. No one who has called upon the name of the Lord has ever been put to shame, has ever been disappointed. Glory to God for his strength. Secondly, glory to God for his gospel. And now we get to that middle section of this doxology, and it's a little bit complicated. Let's read through that again. 25, 26. 
Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. It's complicated. And and, and we'll break it down, but in simple terms it just says, glory to the only wise God who is able to strengthen you how? Through my gospel. Through the preaching of Jesus. How does God strengthen you? How does he make you stand? How does he stabilize you and make you steady when the winds of temptation and persecution are blowing at you and want to topple you? How does he strengthen you? Not through a diet. Not through a special tonic. Not through a certain routine. People are always saying these things. Make you a new, whole new person. No, they don't. He strengthens you through the gospel, the preaching of Jesus. We've said that before. We say it again, and we should never get past this. My greatest need every day is Jesus. Every day. That need never goes away. I never get over that need. Your greatest need every day is Jesus. And God has brought Jesus to us in the gospel. The gospel that Paul preached and the apostles had given to us in scripture. And this is the word that God uses to make you strong. So by fixing yourself upon his word and the preaching of Jesus Christ. With prayer, he is able to strengthen you. Now, to break it down, Paul says three things about this gospel that makes you strong. First, first, this gospel is the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. My gospel. My gospel. It does not mean it's Paul's own message invented by him. I know liberal theology teaches that, likes to say Paul came up with his own stuff and it's not the same as Peter's or James or, Paul or uh, the other disciples. That's false. He was in full fellowship with Peter and James in the gospel. Why does he call it my gospel? Because it's the message that Christ gave him to preach. That's why he says, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I come to you with nothing else than Christ Jesus and him crucified. Not about himself. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ. As he says in chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. So that's how the God of power gives power to you, dear brothers and sisters, through Paul's gospel, God's gospel. 
which is the preaching of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Jesus Christ. Peter says that you, you were born again through the living and enduring word of God. And that's the word that was preached to you. That's how you're born again. But then he goes on to say, as you keep craving that pure spiritual milk of the word, you'll grow up in your salvation too. It'll strengthen you, make you strong. God gives himself to you in the gospel. You want to meet God, the true God? You want to have fellowship with him? You want him to strengthen you? Listen to the preaching of the gospel. Listen to the preaching of the gospel. Can never get past that. That's why we have the Lord's Day, a special day set apart. We must use it well for the preaching of the gospel and then keep feasting on that all week long so that we're living with him every day. So that's the first thing. Of the three things he says about this gospel, glory to God for his gospel, number one, it's the preaching of Jesus Christ. Number two, next phrase, it's the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Now, Paul loves to use the word mystery when it comes to the gospel. And let me just quickly outline Six different areas where the gospel is a great mystery to Paul. First, the mystery of the incarnation. The gospel is such a mystery that God himself, the second person of the Trinity, eternal God, came down to earth and became a man by the power of the Holy Spirit through the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary and became one of us so that he's God and man in one person. What a mystery. And it's the mystery of, the, of our salvation because that's how he could be both divinely powerful, this man, to save us and stand in our place at the same time. That That's everything. Second, Paul loves the mystery of Justification. Justification. What's that? The holy God who hates sin and punishes it eternally in his wrath and he will not overlook it. Not one sin will be left unpunished. Does not punish me for my sin, but forgives me and washes it away and justifies me, declares me righteous. How can the holy God who has nothing but wrath for me in his sin, in my sin. Also forgive my sin and have nothing but love for me. The mystery is the cross where Jesus took my place and God put all the wrath that's for me on Jesus. So my sin is gone and God can love me instead and justify me. The mystery of justification. And this gift is for everyone who believes in Jesus. Your sin, your punishment, nailed to Jesus on the cross. And instead, you get justification and life. The third is the mystery of sanctification. Paul goes for that in Romans 6. How can you be freely forgiven and yet... Not want to sin after that. 
freely forgiven, all your sins washed away. They're not going to be held against you. But for the Christian, that doesn't tempt you to keep on sinning, but instead makes you want to serve him and not sin anymore. How? It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus coming to dwell in the life of everyone who believes and fill you so that you hate sin more and more and want to live for God more and more and offer the parts of your body to God as a slave of righteousness. The mystery of sanctification. And then Romans 9 through 11, the mystery of election. Election. Why are so many people who have the promise and are in the covenant not believing the gospel? Is it because God's not faithful to his promise? No. It's because salvation is rooted in God's eternal plan of election by which it pleased him to choose some sinners for salvation and leave others in their sin. And we give thanks to God for that because if he didn't choose us, nobody could be saved. And then there is in Romans 11, the mystery of the church. How God is gathering people so diverse, Jews and Gentiles, with so many ethnic backgrounds, so many cultures and languages, and reconciling them to one another through the blood of Jesus so that they're one united body. Amazing. The mystery of the church. And then there's one more mystery that Paul speaks about. Behold, I tell you a mystery, 1 Corinthians 15, the mystery of the final resurrection. One day, Jesus will come back. And if you're a believer and you're still alive, he'll transfigure you in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and make you perfect. Soul and body. And if you've already died, your soul is with Jesus, but he'll raise your body from the ground and make you glorious, strong, without any blemishes or weaknesses, immortal, imperishable. And that mystery kept secret for long ages has been revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those mysteries of the gospel. You look at those mysteries and you say, glory to the only wise God. There's nobody who could ever have planned or prepared such a salvation. Could ever have thought this up and then accomplished it. Except for God, the triune God, Father, who's planned all things. Son, who's purchased our salvation, and Holy Spirit, who's bringing it to pass across the nations. And then the third thing about this gospel, under the second point, glory to God for his gospel, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. And that brings us to our third point. Glory to God for his mission. The all-wise God 
has brought about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? Why did he send Jesus? Why did he prepare the Bible, the message of Jesus? All 66 books are Jesus Christ from beginning to end. Why? So that all nations could hear and know God's gospel. And could turn to him and be saved and come to the obedience that faith brings. That's his plan. The plan of the eternal, the only wise God. And and wise means you use your knowledge to make the right choices. Well, God knows everything and he always makes the right, the perfect choice. He never makes any mistakes. And it is in his wisdom that this gospel will come to all the nations. So that all the nations will come to the obedience of faith through Jesus Christ in the Spirit's power. He is truly the international God. This God chose to save sinners from all nations. This God sent his son into the world to die for sinners from all nations. And purchase their salvation. Revelation 5, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And this God sent his spirit to live in the church and give her power to be his witnesses, to bring the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses beginning in Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He chose people from all nations He sent his son to die for people from all nations and poured out his spirit to gather people from all nations. He's the international God. Glory be to God for the way that he's gathering a family from Adam's helpless race. And Adam's helpless race is now scattered over the whole globe into how many people groups? 11,500 people groups or so. And it delights the heart of God who created all the nations to gather a choir of praise from all peoples. And then Paul stands at the forefront of this missionary God who sent his missionary son And poured out his missionary spirit for the obedience of the nations, the obedience of faith. Here's Paul, just driven by this global mission, world mission spirit to go all the way to Illyricum, up to Bulgaria, and then go all the way over to Spain. And through him, God's saying to the church at Rome, and will you join, will you partner with me in this work of the only wise God? That's why believing the gospel means spreading the gospel.
And that's really why Romans was written, remember? He wants to share the gospel he's been preaching to the Romans, the church at Rome, so that they'll support him in his trip to Spain. That's what it's all about. And along the way, we get to hear good news upon good news upon good news, chapter after chapter after chapter, so that we will believe, but also so that we will join in this mission of the international God. Glory to God for his mission that Jesus be made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Do you love this gospel? Do you love it for your own life because of what God has done for you in his son, in Jesus? And do you love it for what you want to see this gospel do in your neighbor's life, in lost people, on their way to hell unless they believe in Jesus? Do you love to see what this gospel will do in other people's lives to the ends of the earth? Glory to the only wise God for his great plan and work of salvation. It's all his work, not ours. And when we are proud of our work done for him, it's because of Christ's work done in us, right? No boasting save in Christ alone. May God give us faith and the working of the Holy Spirit to love this gospel and to, and to love to spread this gospel everywhere. Amen. Let's pray. Glory to the only wise God, to him who is able to strengthen us through the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. How we need strength. There's a world to win for Christ. There's a devil to fight. There's our sinful nature to conquer. How we need the gospel. How we need your strength. You are the God who gives strength. We praise you. You are the wise God who knows how to give strength. We praise you. Help us then to lean upon you with the whole weight of our lives and to trust that you are able to strengthen us and make us stand firm and steadfast in this gospel. In Jesus we pray, amen.